All right, so this week we're watching Mrs. Brown's Boys, which I'd never heard of before. You pointed this show out to me. So uh, I assume, I'm going to assume, since we're Canadian, you're probably, this was probably one of those, like, where they, they give you a test run of BBC Canada type stuff. Is that how you saw this show? BBC Canada, or if it was on um, public broadcasting from uh, the United States is where I where I think I saw Mrs. Brown's Boys. Right. I see a whole lot of stuff of that on PBS. It's great for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember what specifically. It, I mean, we were doing North American sitcoms, and we were just kind of, we burned out a little on them, so we're heading back to... Uh, Good old, merry old UK. Came across her quite by accident, as I remember. I was watching some other BBC comedy show that would have been on uh, PBS, and Mrs. Brown's Voice was just on there one evening as one of the, like an evening of British comedy, that sort of deal. And I thought, this is so bizarre. And is that a man dressed up like a woman? <laughs> because she does a beautiful job of it. You, She's just perfect. She's got the perfect shape of a, of a middle-aged woman. She wears the cardigan. She wears the flat shoes. She wears the, uh, the stockings, the house dress, everything. And when I first saw it, I, I just loved her. But I said, there's something about her. Oh, so you didn't clock it was a dude right away? Out, Wait a minute, that's a man <laughs> dressed up like a woman. And he's amazing. He, yeah. does, he, does, he, she does an amazing job. Yes, yeah, so I'm mostly new to this. I only saw a few little clips that you showed me last time but uh but i mean it was pretty obvious to me right away that like that's a man dressed up like a woman <laughs> so, so I caught that and the other thing it, it made me think of off the top of my head was just trailer park boys because the east coast canadian accent is very similar to the irish accent and seems somewhat similar in that way but yeah this will mostly be new to me but uh it's that same kind of humor too that trailer park boys has it's very it's very irreverent and it's uh it, there's no holes barred they just Put it out there. Well, one thing I definitely liked about it is just because one of the things we were noticing about North American style sitcoms is this tendency for the laugh track, especially because we we're watching, you know, that 70s show because of that 90s show, that style of the laugh track comedy, where the laugh track does a lot of heavy lifting. Like as long as they talk in the rhythm of a joke, they don't necessarily have to say a joke. The laugh track will let you know it was a joke. But after a while, you're like, where's the jokes though like how many times can you do that without a real joke and then you go to mrs brown's boys and it's way obvious here's the joke because it's like you know she's mixing stuff with a dildo <laughs> or a vibrator you know like and it was a nice change of like sometimes you get subtle british comedy and sometimes not subtle no, you get and it right it, over the top and this one is is right over the top but it is so enjoyable and i guess i should say too up front that uh you know, as, as ignorant Canadians, we're just going to say British, UK. Obviously, it's Irish. Ireland is its own thing. And, like, I always think of that with uh, that show, like, America's Next Top Model. And the UK version is, they specifically say Ireland and the UK is the next top model. You know, Ireland very much wants to be mentioned separately. It is a separate thing. But we might not always say that. So just just to... Well, sometimes, too, that uh, that Irish, you need to know that it has that Irish connection, especially when they're so irreverent about the Catholic Church. Right. Because Catholicism is a real big deal in Ireland, and yet these guys just rip it right to shreds. <laughs> and another one that does it, which maybe we should watch some of them sometime, too, is Father Ted. Right. It's also an Irish setting. And that it's not just enough for it to be 
British, English, Wales, Scotland, whatever. Now that Irish connection, when they start bashing the Catholic Church, <laughs> it really does have a greater impact. And uh, the other thing that surprised me about this, so I guess I'm going to go through a little bit. There's some stuff about that, too, that we'll get to. But uh, as I was researching this show, it was very strange. The, the course this show took to come into existence is not at all what I expected. Because, you know, again, those little clips I saw were just like, you know, such like over-the-top comedy. Because the other scene we watched was like how she, she accidentally tasered herself because she mistook the taser for a phone. You know, like... Uh, Right? And she flies behind the couch, and when she gets up, her hair's all disheveled, and her eyes are bugging out. Like, yeah, definitely... Uh, There's no mistaking the fact that she got electrified. Yeah, like, I don't know what the right word is. Like, I, I don't... Zany is wrong, but, you know, like, not subtle, though, I'll say that. <laughs> but the history of Mrs. Brown's Boys and how it came to be is very different than that. So the guy who plays Mrs. Brown is Brendan O'Carroll, Born in Dublin in 1955, the youngest of 11 children. There's that Catholicism, right? Your family mm -hmm. was similar of like... <laughs> 12. Uh, we yeah, had 12. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's like uh, no birth control happening <laughs> in these parts. Uh, his father died when he was six and his mother raised the family with little money. And I just thought this was funny because what I like about Wikipedia is you can generally trust Wikipedia quite a bit because it's a uh, community-made encyclopedia. So people police each other. So one of the things they do if something needs uh, evidence, you know, like you need the footnote, you need the proof, is they'll just write citation needed. So it's like, okay, this information's here, but we need, you need to point to a, an article or something. We need proof, because maybe it's not true. <laughs> so I just thought it's funny because they did that here. He's the born in Dublin, 1955, youngest of 11 children with a father who died when he was six. His mother raised the family with little money, citation needed. Like... I know what you mean. You need to know where did you get this information from, but do you really need the citation? What are the chances that they have money when there's 11 kids and no dad? And no father. Yeah, exactly. And she's at home raising these, these little ones. Yeah, where, where is she getting her money from? <laughs> yeah, so that citation needed is like, you know, I think I'll take this guy's word for it, whoever wrote this article, because, uh, you know, it's pretty believable. So as an adult, Brendan O'Carroll became a stand-up comic, and in 1992, he performed a short radio play based on his youth called Mrs. Brown's Boys and subsequently wrote four books about the Mrs. Brown character. So this is what I think is kind of interesting, is that the initial Mrs. Brown was not this kind of over-the-top comedy thing. She was his mother. Yeah, it's like these books he wrote. I mean, just look at the cover. Look at the cover of this thing. That was the first book called The Mammy. Like, don't you get, like, Angela's Ashes vibes from this? Uh, yeah. Like, not as, obviously no, not, not, not as, as dour. hard, because it's not the depression. But, uh, yes, there she is, the loving mom and, uh, and her little boy. And the, yeah, like, the sense I got reading about these books, they are still, like, lighthearted books, but they're more about, like, the uh, perseverance it takes to be a mom with mm -hmm. no money, with all these kids, but to still be kind of like a brassy, strong woman. Well, that's what Angela's Ashes is, though. The book Angela's Ashes, I just laughed at. There are some parts of it that are so sad, but there's other parts that you just can't hold it in. You just laugh out loud. I guess maybe that's the problem. I didn't finish. I didn't even get that far into Angela's Ashes. I didn't get past the sad part. And I was like, God, this is depressing. Oh, no, you, need, you need to read on. <laughs> there are parts in that, like when he he goes to uh, communion and he takes the host and he's this little six-year-old boy and he's so excited and he's so excited. He's going to get the host. He's going to get the host. 
But then he's, he's sick that day. He's got the flu. So after he gets the hose, he throws it up. <laughs> and oh my God, the family is just appalled that, oh my God, he threw up the host. <laughs> the host is in the backyard. <laughs> There's things like that in it that are just hilarious. Did they, they did make a movie of that, right? I never they thought did. I needed it. But they didn't get that base humor. Like, the guy has a real wonderful way of writing that makes you laugh out loud, even though you're supposed to be saying, oh, my God, I shouldn't be laughing at this stuff, but I'm laughing out loud. The movie was was well done, but it dealt more with the hardships and the uh, loneliness, the depression, the father being such an alcoholic, whereas the book has got this light vein to it. You know you're reading serious stuff, but you're also laughing because of the way he expresses himself. And especially if you're a Catholic and were raised up in the Catholic faith with nuns and the host and uh, the importance of all that stuff. He has a real way with words, that guy. If you ever get a chance, you should read the book as opposed to the movie. Movie was good, but different. Right. I mean, yeah, I think that's generally, in most cases, the book. The books are better <laughs> in all cases. But, uh, man, you know, this is kind of one of the ultimate, you know, this thing comes up a lot on this podcast that I know X, Y, or Z because of The Simpsons. This is like the ultimate one because, uh, you know, obviously you had me go to Catholic church as a kid. And I mean, I, I think I took to it okay at first. You know, I was like the little teacher's pet Sunday school kid. And then I just got a little older and I was like, I don't want to get confirmed and do all this stuff. But I didn't necessarily know it was Catholic Church. I didn't know the difference between Catholic, Christian. I mean, I don't know how much difference is there. It's all kind of the same shit. It wasn't until The Simpsons did an episode where Bart and Homer become Catholic that I'm like, oh, that's what that was. I'll have to watch that one. Yeah, because there's all the Catholic stuff. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, okay. But it was just funny that going to church for years didn't clue me into what this actually was. Like, in my mind... Catholic and Christian and whatever. And Protestant. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just religion is all it meant to me. Yeah, The Simpsons. The Simpsons even taught me that. It taught me what my own stupid religion was, which is weird. But anyway, it's interesting, though, that uh, that this this Brendan O'Carroll guy is, is very so, so similar to the Angela's Ashes uh, trajectory, just mm-hmm. less, less famous outside of Ireland, this particular thing, because they also made a movie based on these books and... This is going to seem so weird compared to Mrs. Brown, who's, uh, you know, using the, the, the vibrator to stir up stuff and tasing herself. So they made this movie with uh, Angelica Houston in it. It came out in 1999, based on the books. But again, it seems like they missed out on the comedy part. And this is really just about, you know, she's this mom has got all these kids, but she's not done for yet. She's still got some vim. She's still got some vinegar. She still has room for romance. So let's just watch this trailer because this is just... And it's called Agnes Brown? With an E, though. <laughs> an extra E. But but yeah, just like this character couldn't be more different. But technically, it's from the same source material. It's by the same guy. But yeah, just uh, I was really surprised when I saw this. It was a sad day for Agnes Brown when she buried her husband, Nicholas. Now, all she has is seven children. Don't leave us, please. I never knew. A lot of debts. I want to be money by tomorrow. And no choice except to start over. Agnes, it's been over a month now and you haven't set foot outside the door. Marion, I'm not in the humor. We're getting the humor. 
October Films presents Angelica Houston. All I have now is my kids. I have to make sure they grow up right. With the Browns, stick together, right? He likes you. Don't be stupid, Tree's just being friendly. Agnes Brown. Weird, right? Like, it's just mm. the tone is so different. That's like this kind of, you know, it's got some, some lighthearted joke stuff, but it's really just like this slice of life sort of drama. But it drama. doesn't interest me enough to say, oh my God, I've got to go and see that movie. Yeah, it really looks sort of generic, right? And uh, just I got that the books that he wrote about this Agnes Brown character were well-received, but the movie, not so much. And yeah, I never heard of it. <laughs> you know, just... Well, I suspect that his his mode of writing is similar to the author of Angela's Ashes, and that's probably why the books are successful. He probably has this underlining tone of black humor. <laughs> right, where, yeah, it's like that movie version really that clean mean, and heavy that, that on... That seems kind of saccharine and... Uh, and uh, like a little romance. And yay for the mom who's yeah. raising her seven children and she's going to find love. What do you? What is that called? Like the, uh, if in the seasons of your life, like a fall romance. Well, as you know? they said, a feel-good movie. Uh, and they, <laughs> yeah. When they introduced it there on the, on the write-up, it said feel-good movie. So, yeah, I was just very surprised that the... Uh, the, the proto-versions, the pre-versions of Mrs. Brown's Boys, like, if, if the current version reminds me of Trailer Park Boys, the earlier things remind me of Angela's Ashes and stuff. It's like, well, this is not what I expected. Very weird. But anyway, from there, because that was only 1999, still over a decade to go before this show started, so O'Carroll decided to put together his own theater company called Mrs. Brown's Boys, and the actress he hired to play Mrs. Brown didn't show up, so he had to play Mrs. Brown himself, and... And it worked, so he just kept doing it. So, I mean, that's lucky, right? That whoever that was didn't show up, <laughs> you know, because that'd be different. And they performed stage plays and made some straight-to-DVD recordings that they just sold in the Irish market. But they toured around with this show enough, which even, you know, the TV version, you know, they show that it's sets. They show the audience. Yeah. So the TV version, actually, when you think about it, is very much like a stage show. Right, with, that's with where it all sets. Came from. Yeah, I never thought about that before, but yeah. So, and again, this is where it gets so uh, intertwined with all of the different UK, Ireland stuff, is that they did this show for a few years until they were approached by BBC Scotland to make the series Mrs. Brown's Boys. So BBC Scotland got them the pilot, and then the pilot was approved by original mothership of BBC, but then it debuted first in Ireland before it spread everywhere else. <laughs> so this is why, again, like... You know, for us who don't live there, this is why we all kind of lump everything together more so than we should, because it's so confusing. <laughs> you know? uh, so anyway, now the show. Mrs. Brown's Boys is an Irish television sitcom which began January 1st, 2011. It ran for three regular series, and then they had yearly Christmas specials ever since. And uh, there is a new series debuting this year, I believe, debuting soon. And, uh, man, those Christmas specials, I see that with so many British shows where, you know, they have their run, but then they keep with the Christmas specials. So, like, Christmas must be the best time ever in the UK, right? Like, all your shows that you love that aren't necessarily running anymore all come back for Christmas? <laughs> that would be awesome. I guess if the weather's bad, you just sit in your house and watch Christmas specials. Yeah. So the show adopts an informal production style where mistakes and tomfoolery, mostly instigated by O'Carroll, are edited into the episodes. And as I was saying, they show that it's a, you know, a crowd and they reference live. that and it's, stuff. It, yeah, it's, it's filmed live. And like you were saying earlier about Father Ted, despite initial unfavorable comparisons to Father Ted, the show became a rating success in Ireland and the UK. 
and also received high ratings in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. <laughs> so that's where I thought maybe you saw it on like BBC Canada as opposed to PBS because... I definitely saw it on PBS. Because yeah, the, kind of what they're saying here is it's popular anywhere where the queen's on the money, which is a nice way of saying it didn't catch on in America. <laughs> but I mean, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, everyone else loves it. But you know, there's enough Irish in in the United States that it could very well be popular there too. Yeah, could be. And it was adapted in a bunch of places. You know, what was the other show like this that, uh, oh, uh, Kenny versus Benny with all the different names for different, so the different names for these ones, it was adapted in Quebec as Madame Lebrun. <laughs> and that one went really well. It went like five seasons. So they actually ran out of episodes and had to start making their own, like writing new episodes. Uh, it played in Greece as Super Mammy and in the Czech Republic as Pan Mama. <laughs> so uh, I've got three episodes. I just picked them kind of at random, one from each of the three original series. So series one, episode one, The Mammy. Series two, episode three, Batteries Not Included. And series three, episode one, Mammy's Spell. So yeah, just three random episodes and uh, we'll watch those and then come back with our with our Mrs. Brown's boys Okay, thoughts. get your laughing face on because here we go. <laughs> yeah. Do you think by series three they cut back on the swearing a bit, or is it just coincidence? Because it really was like in the first episode, like so much swearing. <laughs> we were saying as we we're watching it that that's like a recurring thing with this little show we do. Is uh, I get a fair number of comments of people that think I swear too much, and I mean I guess I can see their point. You know, if we're talking about the Waltons, maybe it's a little uh, incongruous for me to suddenly drop an F bomb, but that's not going to happen with this episode. Because like, yeah, there's nobody who's a fan of Mrs. Brown's boys is going to have a problem <laughs> with saying the F word, feckin' this and feckin' that. There's like tons. Yeah, I didn't notice that it had been cut down, but now that you mention it, yes, it's not as noticeable at the as the as the show progressed as it was at the beginning so they probably did cut some of it out because yeah it seemed like a normal level you know uh like th th for me to think it's a lot it must be a lot because i love swearing but in that first one i was like wow like i wonder about his real life mom like i wonder what she would have thought of this whole weird progression where at first he's writing these nice books and there's this angelica houston movie about what a tough, strong woman. But we don't know if the books are nice books. I, that's true, but I get the sense just from reading about them, they were still comedies, but I don't think, you know, like this one we just watched where he, she's hypnotized into thinking she's a stripper. I mean, uh, it's more about the real life, you know, so it's obviously not stuff like that. So I just think it's kind of weird that this character who's based on his mom, you know, went from look at the strong Irish lady and look at all the stuff she went through to just like straight comedy, you know? Like, I bet she'd be watching some of these shows and be like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's super funny, but it'd just be weird if it's tangentially based on you. <laughs> oh, especially if she thought uh, other people watching it who knew her thought, oh my <laughs> Lord, look what that woman's really like. <laughs> and, and imagine that too, that's your 11th kid. You've had 10 kids. You have this 11th kid, all the hardships and the lack of money and you raise these kids and 
that's what the kid does? This is your legacy that the kid dresses up like a woman and <laughs> passes himself off <laughs> off as your uh, replica. <laughs> but I really did like the uh, how loose it was. Like in that very first episode, as soon as the live audience did the like ah moment, it's like he didn't want to let it get too. Um, sentimental yeah. so immediately he goes i'm just a, a man dressed as a woman <laughs> you know like he just wants to immediately like nope nope cut that out <laughs> and they and they kept in the parts where obviously people are the crew themselves are laughing and can't control it like that barbie and ken scene they repeated that do you want a cup of tea three <laughs> times just so that you could look at ken's teeth <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, big fake ken teeth yeah. and, and he started laughing so much that you can tell when he leaves at the end of that and hides behind the barbie the barbie box he just can't control it anymore but they kept that in which is nice yeah if anything that uh gr- there was more and more of that as it went on even just in those first three years you can tell they got more loose with that and i like that how it's set up that it's clearly like they could have edited those out like the way they filmed it it's like okay we'll take that again we'll take that again take that again but they always hit the line again they kept saying the line again so an editor could have just picked one of those and no one would have been the wiser but instead they leave all three in and it's it's kind of funny it's and weird. it makes it very much like a live stage stage show where yep. there's obviously some ad-libbing going on there and he's mostly him but he's coming up with these lines that obviously those actors never heard before and they're just cracking up and they keep that in and they recover quite well yeah that's another thing i found interesting about it is uh is it's a combination of two different things like i always thought it was weird in american shows how no one ever laughs at the jokes like just to bring up friends again i always think of chandler if you knew chandler bing in real life he would be the cleverest, most funny person you ever met in your life. For like years on end, he's just cracking jokes every 15 seconds. You know, you would, you would crack up at that guy. No one ever laughed at one of his jokes. One time in Friends. It's just the way American shows are set up. It's weird. Like people are joking and no one laughs. Where in this show, I liked that the characters do react. When Agnes Brown says something funny, everybody laughs because that's more natural. But then there's the second level. There's the characters laughing because it's in the script. But then there's the people actually laughing because something weird happened. (laughs) It's got like the different layers of people laughing even. And the audience laughing, that's real laughter. That's not any of this canned stuff that it's just or or signs going up saying applause or laugh you can tell well it's funny and they and they do laugh and you can tell that by the sound of it there's sometimes there's like long prolonged laughing sometimes there's just a little chuckly chuckly laughing yeah in that sense i mean yeah this connects extremely well to like you know last time we watched you know like that 80s show or whatever and that was one of the big things is like these laugh the laugh track is so weird because it's supposed to be a live studio audience but it didn't feel real at all it felt like a polished prepared laughter yeah where this 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 doesn't and this is set up like well it is live action you can tell by the way the cameras are moving around there there's one show of these i don't know which one it is but they're in she's in the kitchen and the camera comes right through the kitchen wall, and they leave it in there. And she makes some comment about, about couldn't you stay on the other side of the wall or something like that? Yeah, it just rolls right through by mistake. And most shows would take that out because that's a mistake. No, the camera guy comes right in with the camera, and the wall collapses 
Yeah, or like I like there was one, I think it was in the first episode where they're in the other set, the uh, the pub set, and she can't find her handbag. So she gets up and runs to the other set, which is just the house set, and gets the bag and, the and runs follows all the way her, back. follows yeah. her back. Yeah, because I always like that kind of stuff, you know, like meta jokes, you know, jokes about it being a show. But I've never quite seen it that way. It's more stuff like there's a show Community that got really famous or Rick and Morty, like these, like, where it's more... Uh, I don't know, they're more like heady about it, where this was just kind of like, you can tell that uh, few years that they spent just doing it as a stage show in Ireland, like you can really feel that. Like, I don't think you'd be able to just do this out of nowhere. It's, it's got, so I guess what is kind of neat about it is it really does feel like they just took a stage show and made it. And put it on television. Yeah. 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 It's an excellent show. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I guess if there's a, since there's a new, new series coming out this year, maybe I'll dig those up when it comes out and, you know, we can see how everyone is 10 years on. And yeah, I was thinking too, the, uh, the, well, the first, at first I was like, why is it called Mrs. Brown's boys when there's only one boy and then a daughter? But then I guess later on, there's more, more boys or whatever. And you get introduced to those boys. If you watch any numbers of the series, like Rory is the gay son. Well, we got introduced to him here. Uh, the oldest son who's moving to Australia, there is a priest son also who comes to visit at some point in time. I think that's one of the Christmas shows where the priest comes and he brings a fellow priest with him to celebrate Christmas at their house. And of course, it's just a riotous uh, trees falling down and her mother up in the tree trying to put the star up and getting hung up in the tree and uh, just craziness. <laughs> And I guess I can kind of see why, you know, the thing I was saying when I was reading through, you know, how it's early reception, like the critics didn't like it so much. And they were like, ah, it's just Father Ted, but not as good. But then, you know, people liked it. And I can see that for sure, because it definitely doesn't have that feeling of being like a critical darling. It's more like this is a show people will actually watch and laugh at. Not that they wouldn't at Father Ted, but Father Ted, again, I haven't seen a ton of those, but it does have much more of that sort of... uh like it's a prestige television feeling <laughs> where this really just feels like here we get we're just putting on a show you know and i think as the show progresses too you get introduced to the children um and you find all the little foibles and weird things about them none of them are perfect and i mean in the first show we get introduced to dermot and kathy i think you, you get so that you get used to those characters and you know and they grow with the show and when you said there probably wasn't as much swearing in the last show as it was in the first show, that's probably true, because Mrs. Brown has also grown. Right. Oh, and then there's the neighbor next door. She is priceless. She's the one in the hair curlers? She is yeah. the one in the hair curlers who's always in there having a cup of tea. And, and there are neighbors who are like that, who are always at your house. <laughs> Doesn't matter, day, night, whatever, they're always coming in for a cup of tea. Well, that's her. Yeah, and I found, as saying too, as we watched it, that character seemed a little extra weird to me just because she's Mrs. Brown's closest contemporary, you know, basically the same exact... I mean, that's where, if the original actress had shown up and had played Mrs. Brown... You know, they would have been the two women. It's just so weird that there's only one guy in a dress in the show. Where if there's going to be a second one, it should probably be that neighbor. Like, it's so weird yeah. to just be playing off. The whole thing is very... It's just a really weird show, but I definitely liked it. It was good. But there are scenes in it that because it is a man dressed up as a woman, that it makes it funnier, like when he's doing the strip at the end. If that was a woman doing that, 
it wouldn't have been as as humorous because maybe there'd be views of it being sexist and all this stuff. But because it's a man dressed up as a woman and he's feeling himself up and then he's putting his legs around the priest's neck. It's a man to a man. It's I don't know that they could have pulled that off with such success if that had been a woman. Yeah, because also similarly, because Mrs. Brown is so just, uh, I mean, what's even the word for it? Like so straight talking, so uh, no, uh, no shame or whatever. So she's talking about like how you know, when I got pregnant with uh, my first kid, you know, my legs were at the window of the car, all this stuff. It would definitely be weirder if, because it would still be Brendan O'Carroll who wrote it. So if it was a guy who wrote that stuff and then had some some lady say all that stuff, it would feel weird. It's Where when it's say. just him. Like when he jumps out of the chair and you see uh, the, the skirt goes up and there's the big bloomers. You know? <laughs> yeah. If that had been a woman... It would have been a different reaction than here's a man jumping out of a chair and he's got those big pink bloomers on. You know, that's the other thing too. I was saying how I wonder what his his real life mom would have thought of this, but it could be that, like maybe his mom really was just I'm gonna say the dirty thing no one expects. I'm gonna be the life of the party. I'm the one making everyone laugh. Maybe his mom would have saw the Angelica Houston movie and been like, "What the fuck is that?" And then saw Mrs. Brown's boys and been like, "There you go. There, there That's I better." Am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do wonder. I mean, maybe I should try to. I don't even know how easy it is to find those books here because again, they were a big hit in Ireland, but not as much everywhere else. I really am curious. Like, what, what was his real mom like? Yeah. Because those two versions of Agnes Brown are like opposites. Well, of each and other. remember too, though the books presumably if they're ba- if the angelica houston thing is based on that that's when those children would have been young growing up right now this is an oh, adult yeah. this these point. are adult children right living at home or always dropping in or i don't know if the books go that far along and deal with adult children or not but there that's that's a different outlook too yeah that is a good point because that would make a little more sense because the angelica houston movie was so clearly like a big part of it is like oh i'm gonna f- even though I've got all these kids and responsibilities, I'll find a little time for myself to have a romance. Yeah. Where you can't even imagine that in the series. Like, no. she's well beyond caring about any of that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, relationships <laughs> are out the window. She's raised those children. They're either, they've made something of themselves or they haven't. And most of them haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's still raising them. And she's still learning. But it's nice to get back to British shows. Because if I had to just paint with a broad brush... I do think shows from the UK and Ireland in that area are generally better, you know? Yeah, or they're... well, because they, they don't seem to get hung up on social mores or, well, definitely they're not hung up on religion. Right. Don't mind throwing throwing uh, Catholics and priests and yeah, well, it's everybody such a... else. Just throw them under the bus. Let's go. It's such a strange duality, right, that there's there's the prominent Jesus picture in Mrs. Brown's kitchen. And then I noticed on the other side of the room, there's two more Jesuses. There's Jesuses everywhere. But then when the priest shows up, she's like, ah, this is what I fucking need. <laughs> this fucking priest. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's really weird. It's like, it's, it's like sort of like the Simpsons in that way of like, we're, we will at least address religion, but we're certainly not yeah, going to pretend gonna it's important. We're going to be quite irreverent about it. Yeah. <laughs>